by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello, my name's Rachel. I'm here with N17 Women, the only podcast about Tottenham Hotspur women's team. And we've got a special episode tonight because uh, we've got a special guest. Uh, with us today is not just my co-hosts, Caroline and Sean, but we are joined by Tottenham Hotspur number five, Molly Bartrip. Hi, Molly. Hello, are you okay? Yes, we are. We're very excited to hear from you. As everybody listening is going to know, uh, last season Molly played every minute of every game uh, when Spurs got to fifth in the WSL and managed to help. He was kind of very central to us keeping an impressive defensive record. This season you haven't quite played every minute, but I think it's mm-hmm. going to be close. You're definitely a nailed on starter for every game. And when we were thinking about talking with Molly, I realised that sometimes on this podcast, we don't say much about her. And sometimes like we'll have a whole podcast go by and we're talking about a game and she hardly gets mentioned. And then I realised it's kind of because as a centre back, if you're doing everything right, you don't necessarily get talked about a lot. So I feel like this is a good time to put that to rights because we know that lots of fans of Spurs women talk about Molly as kind of an unsung hero, a fan favourite. So This is time to hear all about her, and especially in a season when she has scored her first goal for the club. So what was that like? Scoring? Oh, yeah. I know. I tell you what, I didn't expect that so quickly on into the game against Brighton either. So that was a shock to my system. I don't think I even have a celebration anymore. Um, I think I've kind of grown up past that. So I didn't really know what to do, if I'm completely honest with you. If, truthfully, hands on heart... I was relieved we scored at that point and I was just like what a good start to the game and that was all that was in my mindset I mean lucky enough you know we ran away with that game very quickly with a hell of a lot of goals but yeah to score a goal was obviously yeah crazy moment to be fair especially in a Spurs shirt I remember scoring when I was like under 10s for Tottenham and that was probably the last time I remember scoring like a really good goal so that um, was a good goal that was a really impressive goal yeah I mean people keep saying it's a cross but you know the hate is gonna hate so um (laughs) You know, I'm taking it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm going to take it. It's a goal for me. And yeah, obviously, long may it continue. I hope I score a couple more this season if I get the opportunity. And do you like, is, it, is scoring more fun than making like the perfect block or tackle? Honestly, no. Honestly, no. I have, I actually really thrive off. I know a lot of the other defenders do as well. Thrive off making, you know, a last ditch tackle. I know last season, I think I cleared one off the line against Villa. That got me more buzz than anything ever um so as a defender I think I'd be lying if it wasn't just actually making a last ditch tackle hopefully I do one of them on Wednesday if I play but yeah those are the kind of moments that I love anyway and just going back in time like just going to get you sort of like after talking about this season going back to when you joined Spurs um and you came from Reading were there things that sort of first attracted you to the club well first of all my first ever girls team was Tottenham so in a way it was like full circle the, the opportunity arose and I really kind of jumped it to be honest you know the club is historic it's very well known just in the men's game anyway so the rate that the women's game was going and where Rianne at the time as well wanted to see the club progress was something that I was like I couldn't say no to that opportunity and still where the club's going now is exactly the right route you know and it may be baby steps sometimes but it's going in the right direction is the bigger picture and yeah it's, it was definitely an easy 
kind of yes for me when I got asked. Well, we're very glad you said yes. So it's that's good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Since you come, you've obviously like you've got this great partnership with Shalina. So what is it about that that you think makes it work? You know what? In football, it's about partnerships. You know, everywhere over the pitch, you've got your nine and ten partnership. You've got your fullback and your winger partnership. Everywhere there's partnerships, and it's actually sometimes quite rare to have one so quickly. And with Shalina, it it came very quickly. Um, I'm not going to deny that. I think. It held with quite similar characters off the pitch as well. We're both quite energetic, bubbly people that don't really stop talking. So it kind of helped in that way as well. But, um, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't expect to ever play next to a gold medalist. I can assure you that. And when that came up, it was obviously like, wow, like I'm only going to learn from someone like her. But I can't take away the fact that there's other players in the team that, uh, you know, do exactly the same and, for example, Amy Turner coming in this year, I know she may have only played, you know, not so much at centre-half, but she's played fullback, And I tell you now, she's a very good centre-half too. And that's the kind of competition we have. And that pushes you as well. And it's the same last year when we obviously had Vicky Schneiderbeck on loan. It pushes you, you know, you have to compete in that way. And yeah, obviously, naturally, me and Shalina have been quite fortunate enough. It's just, yeah, it's worked in that way especially more last year I'm sure we'll come on to this year but more so last year in a way that it it was just so successful and we really really believed each other and I think the part that I have with Shalina is that we're very honest with each other as well and when things aren't going right we're not silly and we try and you know in your mind you're trying to correct it in a game but especially after with analysis like I I hate conceding so every goal I'm looking through what I could do better what Anyone in the team can do better. Of course, there's 11 players, but naturally we're quite big competitors. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, there's other great defenders out there. You know, Kez could technically be a centre-half too. And there's some really good graces obviously coming through. Like there's been so many players that have almost pushed me anyway. I can speak for myself. You know, I can't speak for Shalina in that way, but they've pushed me wanting to be a better player and given me tough competition for sure. That's really interesting to hear you talk about like doing that analysis and do you like literally just sit down like the next day and the two of you or the people that are back line talk about how yeah, where so, the gaps were? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, naturally on a on a Tuesday, we'd normally go for analysis uh, for the previous game that was on a Sunday. And it's normally a team one. But look, as competitors, we obviously send in each other texts and I will watch, you know, through the goals we've conceded all the time. I mean, sometimes I go through them 50 times in my head, if I'm completely honest. And sometimes it's, you know, the tiniest step makes a difference. But look, that's the difference between conceding a goal and not sometimes. And yeah, of course, like, I'll talk to, you know, different players about what we could have done in those positions. I'll speak to the analysts, Rianne, Vicky, whoever it is at the time that I feel like I, I need to talk to. And yeah, of course, you know, when you're playing next to a centre-half, naturally like I would text Shalina or whatever and see what she thought too and it's brutal honesty at the end of the day like you're not going to get better and we're not going to improve if we don't understand and understand what we could have done better in that way that's really interesting more lightly or kind of you were talking about how the back lines changed a bit and one of the things is that Ash isn't playing at right back so consistently do you think she makes a better right back or winger oh look Ashley Neville is a very good footballer let's take that first (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously, when she played on the wing, she scored goals. And that was what probably kept her up there at that time. Uh, I don't, I'm not Rianne, so I can't say that. But, I mean, in my opinion, that's probably what's happened. But, look, I played with Ash at right back last year and she's a very, very good fullback too. And, obviously, at the moment, she's been suspended. But I'm pretty sure at the weekend she's back from that. So, who knows where we'll see her play. But, 
at the end of the day, she's so versatile. She can play left side, right side. She can play on the wing. No, that's Ashley Neville for you at the end of the day. You know, she she can do everything. And yeah, we're lucky to have her. So talking about people we're lucky to have, we've had a, we've got a new couple of new signings come in recently, uh, in the winter break. And obviously you've been getting to spend a bit of time with those players. But let's talk about Beth first. Uh, Beth England, obviously coming in from Chelsea. Is she a player you've known well? And, and what's it been like having her join the team? Yeah, I actually know Beth. I used to be, play with Beth in the un- England under 23s. So I've actually went through my phone the other day and there was a picture of me and Beth from like 2017. So I might be a bit younger than her in that way. But yeah, I know Beth very well. And when I seen her come up through the door, I was a very happy bunny. I can assure you that Look, Beth stands for herself. You know, you see the goals she scored, what she's done in the WSL, like her stats show that. For her to come to us is a massive thing. Coming from a club that, you know, she won a lot. You know, she was there for a very long time. To make that step to come to Tottenham, fair play to her. I mean, she proved in the first game she scored. So, you know, that shows you what she is. But even in training, you know, she demands a lot. And I think that's what we all need. We all need that kind of where she brings that experience, obviously being at the Euros as well. She, she's brought that and that helps so much. But yeah, I have a really good, you know, friendship with Beth. So it was really nice to see her back and to have her back in the same team as me. It was obviously really nice to have that. But she's only going to help the team. And I think that's very obvious for most people. But she demands a lot. And that's the biggest thing I can I can see from, you know, the first couple of weeks of her being here is not just her quality, but her demand. Uh, she's a winner. That's sometimes what you need. You need the the tough characters to to bring that out sometimes. And she's obviously come from that environment. I mean, she's won most things at Chelsea, probably everything, if not. Hopefully that she'll bring that experience and then it can help us go on into that kind of direction. And of course, we've now added uh, Mana Iwabuchi to our ranks as well. You haven't had so much time to kind of get to know her, but what are your first impressions? Oh, wow. That's my first impression. <laughs> Technically very gifted, by the way. Uh, the first training session, she was just doing, she was shooting after and she was hitting them left, right, head. And she's small, and she, but she can head. And, you know, she's very impressive. I think, you know, I obviously seen her playing at Arsenal and she's just one of those players that, Sometimes may not even look like she's doing anything, but she creates something out of nothing. And she's almost like a little mini messy in the way she moves. It's like swivel hips. It's crazy. And she's only been here a week or so. But like, first of all, lovely, lovely human being. Um, really sweet. But also like she even came up to me one session and was like already just telling me what I could do to improve. And in that way, I'm like, oh, my gosh, wow, that's great. Like I need that and I want that. So from where she's come as well, she's also trying to bring her experience. And I think that's also going to better the group. But as a footballer, I mean, all I'm going to say is you'll see because she's she's really class. She really is. Well, we're looking forward to it once this weather stops putting the game oh, no. You're telling um, us, honestly. <laughs> we know, you know, we've seen a lot, I guess, in dressing rooms of the men's teams and things of initiation ceremonies and all those kind of traditions. Do you have any at Spurs women? Yeah, we've had um, initiations. We haven't done the new ones yet. Yes, they're not going to get away with it. Trust me, I've already had I've already had that discussion. But um, yeah, we've all done initiations. I sung um, S Club Seven Reach. If you don't know, probably show my age a little bit. But yeah, I love that song. But a lot of people sung. Some people did it together. But I yeah, I, I went individually. Um, some people had to do different ones, so they had to have it with headphones in. So their voice, you have breaking windows. Yeah, it's, it was quite it's quite fun to have that. And the new ones come in, and it kind of brings them out the show a little bit. And they almost have to put themselves in an awkward situation um, in front of everybody, not just players, it's staff too. And the staff also have to do it if they're new. But yeah, um, 
we're obviously waiting on Mana and Beth to do theirs, but it'll be the first away trip, I'm sure. Uh, okay. And talking about, we've been talking about new players, but obviously we've got to that time of year where we're starting to look at players renewing their contracts. We just found out today Ria's got a new contract, which we're all thrilled about. Um, so we're just wondering, when are we going to hear about your contract? <laughs> yeah, mine is up in the summer. Yeah, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm happy at Spurs at the end of the day, but I'm obviously in, in contract talks at the moment. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, it's up. There's obviously a few players that are up. But if I'm honest, Rhea, Rhea Percival is a big, big player for Tottenham. And to have her back, hopefully next year, fit as a fiddle would be, you know, the, the most amazing thing. And her signing the contract is a big, big thing. And she's one of my favourite players for sure. Uh, and I probably shouldn't have that but she's uh, you know from playing with her last year what she brings to the team is really special and having her sign hopefully along with a lot of others hopefully myself as well will be really good for the club for the future too. Yeah it really felt like last season she found her place in the side and became you know that core kind of player. Oh yeah. You know and, and so such such a shame that she got injured when she did and things but we can't wait to have her back and we you no, know, me too. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's going to be, play a big uh, part in uh, us moving on up that table. Definitely, I hope so. But also we're really hoping that you sign a new contract because we need you in the back line there. So <laughs> if that if that helps your uh, your talks then we all want you to stay, please. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you you've got the fan support for sure. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate. It. You know what? I'd never know. That's the thing. I'm I'm very much, you know, when it comes to the game, I'm playing the game. Um, I don't really know what goes on after half the time. I'm I'm just so focused on, you know, doing what I can for, for the team in that way. But yeah, that means a lot to me. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't have expected that. So that really means a lot. Yeah, I think if if you have any ideas of things you want us to do to show us our love for you, just to persuade <laughs> you today, we can try and get everyone I to do it. That. I with big Molly that. masks at the next. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You, you get ginger hair if you want. You can dye ginger. <laughs> Well, we know that this season hasn't exactly gone to plan at times. So we we started making these new signings. We're getting contract renewals. But on the pitch, what do you think are going to be the most important factors when it comes to turning things around? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. We've obviously spoke about it. Of course, we wouldn't be professionals if we haven't. The first half of the season was definitely not what we wanted. Um, we do have to look at the bigger picture in that way and see, you know, in the grand scheme of things, where do we want to be in the next you know, four or five years? You know, it's up there and it's not going to be a plain sailing. You know, it's not going to work like that. Football is not like that. I've definitely experienced that. And I'm, I'm only 26, but I, you know, I've experienced the highs and lows in that way. But, you know, moving forward as well, like at the end of the day, we, as a team, we need to play 90 minutes. And I think there's been a lot of games we haven't played full 90s. It's been very much a 45-minute performance, whether that's the first half or the second half. Um, It's not been a consistent 90. um, And that's something, you know, we've spoken about. We need to get that in. We need to get a a whole performance from, look, at the end of the day, not not all 11 players are going to perform on the day. But if the majority are performing for the whole 90 minutes, that's where you can see the real Tottenham. And I think in the second half of the Aston Villa game, it proved that. But if we would have done that from the first half, that would have been a different game. Realistically, Beth's goal came against the run of the play, and that's me being brutally honest. But if we would have done that in the, from, the, from the word go anyway, it would have been a different game. And I think that's what we're looking forward to doing in the second half of the season. And more in particular, scoring more goals. You know, creating more stuff will allow the likes of Beth, the likes of, you know, Rosella, Jess, Celine, 
Nicky, all the forward players, Chi, like they've, we've got a lot of forward players. Realistically, it will allow them to get into opportunities to score goals. But on the flip side, we need to stop conceding. And I'm harsh, but I'm not happy with conceding the amount of goals have conceded. And I know that nobody else is. So I'm not the only one. And we do have to look at that first. If we can stop conceding, it gives us a better opportunity in winning games. So ultimately, you've got to look at yourself sometimes and look at individual performances. But at the same time, how do we reflect on it as a team? And we've got to stop conceding so easily. And then we've got to create more going forward. And I do think, obviously, the likes of the new signings are going to really help that and impact that. And you know, Jess is on her way back now. And there's people coming back from injuries. Kit's not back. Kit's not far away. You know, we've got players that are going to be coming back. And then that's the time where I'm hoping we can impact that more and we can start winning games and getting clean sheets because I love clean sheets. So do we. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, we've all been feeling optimistic about the the second half of the season trending upward. But one thing we've been curious about is, you know, we're coming off of a weekend where there was a postponed match. And, you know, we've seen that a couple of times already this season because of weather issues. And yeah. I think there was a really extreme case in the league of the Chelsea Liverpool game being mm-hmm. started and then abandoned um, yeah. for, for the frozen pitch. Um, and, you know, Shalina was one of the players to speak up on social media and call that out. So how do you think these postponements have affected Tottenham and every other team, I suppose, the ability to kind of build up some momentum? Has that been an issue for y'all? Yeah, of course. Look, at the end of the day, I, 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 we were all watching the start of that, that game, Chelsea-Liverpool, and it looked like an ice rink. And I know if I was a player in that game, you know, a lot of us wouldn't be happy. But at the end of the day, it's the official decision. But Emma Hayes spoke out, you know, Matt Beard spoke out. It's very clear in that should game should never have ever gone ahead. Obviously, ours was cancelled the day before. So in a way, you know, it's, it is better. But how do we stop that? At the end of the day, we need, we need proper pitches. Um, we're obviously, you know, the Hive was great at the time. But then when it got through the league, it was a very, very, you know, bobbly pitch at the time. So you couldn't really get much quality out. Obviously, moving to Leighton Orient was a, was a step for us in the pitch is better. But unfortunately, it's just not worked when it's come to eye. But that I'm not going to sit here and say that is where football, women's football should be because it's completely not. And a lot of us are not happy with that. Obviously, so many of the WSL players have spoken up about it. Uh, Shalina obviously being one but you know off the back of the Euros and where what we've done with you know the football in England at the moment that's got to be the next step and I think that's very clear and obvious to every observer of the game that you don't see men's games getting cancelled because of frozen pitches and that's ultimately where the level we need to get to so whether that's this year next year there has to be a progress in that direction we're not happy because at the end of the day, then it delays everything. And then we've got to play three game weeks and then you've got to try and fit fixtures in. And then that's not easy either. Um, you've also got international breaks in between these that people go away. They sometimes play three games and tournaments and then they have to come back and play for their club. You know, it's all a bit unrealistic in that way sometimes. And like, I'm not an international, but I can speak for the people in the team that that's tough too. And then also you're saying about momentum you also lose a bit of momentum from that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. You, you can't really get momentum. I mean, we're going into Chelsea on Wednesday. Please let the pitch be okay. We're going into Chelsea on Wednesday and look, we would have loved to have a game before that to go into that game, but it's not worked out that way. But 
you know, we were in we were in Sunday doing doing prep on that. Um, we're ready for that game. So, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we're not happy with what, what happened on Sunday, and nor was two of the other two of the other games got cancelled too. Yeah, it wasn't just ours; it was all of, like most of WSL. And the only game that played, or my games that played, were at men's stadiums, right? Reddin's obviously at the men's, so mm-hmm. I was I used to play at Reddin, so I know that pitch, and they've got the heaters on it. You know, of course they do. It's a championship men's side, but you'd think being Premier League teams, most of them in the WSL, that you know we'd get that kind of priority too. But at the end of the day, there is that's where it's showing where the progress is going. It's a bit slower in some areas than it is others. You know, we're playing in front of forty thousand people, but we can't do the other side sometimes. So it's about balancing it off long term and. It will get there, and um, you know we all believe that. But it's times like these where it shows that it's still got a bit further to go. So, would you personally like to see the team playing at the main stadium for most games, or do you kind of agree with the viewpoint of Emma Hayes that the attendance is not quite there yet to support that? Look, look, I we played at the Emirates, and there was a lot of people there. We, you know, we played at Stamford Bridge, and there was a lot of people there. I'm hoping that when we play Man United there'll be a lot of people there. So the attendances can be there. That's the thing. And I think that proves it wasn't just our game. Arsenal, you know, Arsenal Man United have lo- had loads of people there. And look, I- I'm going to sit here and say, like, I'm not used to playing in front of that many people. That was a dream come true, if I'm honest. Like, li- little Molly would never have expected that, I can assure you. So, you know, those kind of moments where yeah, I understand where, you know, Emma Hayes is coming from. Have we got that consistently? Have we got that kind of, you know, attendance consistently? Probably not. So, yeah, we probably do need to have, you know, pitches that maybe aren't the men's stadiums. But look, I would I would be lying if I don't want to play at the men's stadium every week because the conditions of that pitch is incredible. The the actual facilities are incredible. You know, that it's amazing to play there. Been lucky enough to play there a few times now. And it's the same for, you know, all the other teams in WSL. They, of course, of course, we all want to be playing in the big stadiums in front of big attendances. That's the higher pressure. You know, that's the pressure that you want to play under. They're the, they're the games you want to play in. So at the end of the day, you know, we can only do what we're doing at the moment. But in my opinion, the future of women's football is going to be huge in England. And if we're paving the way, if we have to, you know, take the, the struggle sometimes because we're paving the way for the future, then, you know, sometimes you have to go, OK, you know, I can't wait for the new, you know, kids coming through because they're going to come in and they're just going to have the most amazing conditions. They're going to have the best support around them. And, and that's what you want for the future of the women's game. And, I can stand there when I'm 30, hopefully with my kids, or 40, maybe not 30 because I'm only 26, uh, 40, <laughs> well, a short career. Um, but when I'm, you know, 40 with my kids, say, you know, saying, go on, play women's football because it's a, good, it's a good opportunity to make a career out of it. Whereas probably looking at, you know, when I was younger, there, there probably wasn't so much of a, could I get a career out of it? It wasn't so obvious and clear. Thanks, Molly. That's really interesting. And it's also, it's really interesting to contrast your perspective as well, because we talked to Karis before and obviously mm-hmm. she's come, she came through the game a bit earlier than you still. Yeah, yeah, um, she did. And so it's like each, each kind of generation of players, not like you're in different generations, but you know, like. She's <laughs> not that old. <laughs> but like new waves of players and it's like new, you know, new ways of being in women's yeah, football, yeah, yeah. isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Kez has obviously come from Birmingham where she pr- probably paid to play most of the time when she was younger. So that just shows you where she would have seen the game grow. And you know, I was lucky that as soon as I turned 18, I signed my first professional contract. I, I kind of hit it just at the right age in that way. But, you know, other kids now, like, just look at the, just look at the women's game. Like, it's a dream come true in that way. You know, what they... What the Lionesses did in the, in the summer was, 
what dreams are made of, but also what women's football needed in England. So well done to all of them, obviously. Big up, Beth. <laughs> well done for all of them. Hopefully you're going to be part of them at some point. We would love to see you. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. But you, know, you never know. I'm just, I've just got to focus on, on Tottenham and, and see what happens in that way. Not After not conceding for the rest of the season, all eyes <laughs> yeah. are going to be on our centre-backs. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So can I like shift a little bit just because, I mean, to talk about something that last year you had a piece in the Players' Tribune where you shared your experience of eating disorder and I think a lot of people were touched by it, both sort of within football and beyond football. But it also was really revealing about the ways in which football maybe made it all worse for you at some mm. points. Yeah. Um, and I just I wondered, like, what sort of was your decision making process in just coming to decide to sort of write about it to talk about it yeah well look I well I was anorexic when I was 14 and I was actually Arsenal at the time because I actually went through Arsenal Academy and they were very very supportive of me but at the time I didn't really know what anorexia was um I didn't really know what was going on to myself like I didn't really know myself at all at that age I mean who really knows themselves at 14 really and it was kind of an eye-opener to what I could do to myself in, in a negative way. I was, the, the reason for it was honestly rejection. Um, and still to this day, I have a huge, huge fear of it. I still see a counsellor um, every every week. And I don't think, well, until maybe my career's over, I, I don't think I'd ever stop that because it's the right thing for me. And it might not be the right person, right thing for the person next to me or but wherever. But for me, it's what I need. It's, it's that out, it's that release. And, you know, through my anorexia, Football was the thing that caused it, but football was the thing that made me want to be sat here, alive, playing football every day, you know? And I know that sounds very deep in that way, but the fear of rejection, I got rejected because I was injured and I didn't get selected for England um, at that age group. I was obviously fortunate enough to, to play in every age group up to, not obviously the seniors, but up to 23s. And yeah, I, I, I didn't get selected for a camp and it was probably my first ever, you're not good enough feeling and I really didn't know where to go um I I didn't really know what to do and you know the mad thing was you could ask my mum and my dad and maybe never seen my mum and dad ever before but you know and they would say food was Molly's favorite thing growing up not even football food (laughs) um so it wasn't just a shock to me it was a shock to a lot of people around me and you know having to deal with that at that age you know I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for my mum because she was just my major support network she literally took me to counselling she would pick me up from school if I would you know cause an issue she would she would do a lot and I didn't really go to school for that period of time and it took me a long time to get back to normal probably five years if I'm honest to get back to normal and the reason why I wanted to speak out was because ever since I was a really really young girl the only thing I've ever wanted to do was to help people. Um, my mum said, what did you want to be when you're older? Or what do you want to do, you know, when you're a lot, a lot older and you see yourself in a big job? And I said, I just want to help people. So it almost kind of felt natural for me to speak openly about that. More so, obviously, I would never have spoken out if I wasn't, didn't have a good relationship with food now, because I 100% do. Um, so I knew it was the right time to, to speak out. And I hadn't really seen many people be open with mental health in general in women's football so I've wanted to push it out there too because I think it's so like it's so obvious that we have to deal with these major pressures every day we have to compete with sometimes our friends we have to you know deal with the highs the lows of 
getting injured, of being dropped, of winning, of losing. And there's so much that can go on that a lot of people can't control that. And, you know, if I, if I could speak openly about that kind of area, obviously more specifically was the anorexia at the time. But if I could speak openly and help at least one person, that was my job done. And and that's honestly how I viewed it. That's how I, I seen it. There was no, oh, I want attention. It was, I'm going to put this out there because I reckon there's a lot of people out that can relate. And there was, because the amount of feedback I got was kind of worrying, really. I mean, obviously a lot of positive towards me, but worrying with how many people were saying that they were struggling. So in that way, like, there's a lot more that I could do. So that's why I did more. That's why whenever anybody says, would you like to do this piece on anorexia on depression on anxiety I'm like yeah I will because at least like you know if a young kid now looks up and says well you know Molly had it and she got through it and she she was still living her dream and become a professional footballer then I can do it then that's it that's my job done that is proof you know that I can do it you can do it kind of thing and that's honestly why I did it I obviously spoken up about my depression and anxiety between like young 20s realistically when it's crazy because it's not actually that long ago um kind of shows you how far you come sometimes but I've spoken up about that too and again it was the same thing that we may look great sometimes from Instagram and from Twitter and from you know on a football pitch sometimes and we're smiling but nobody sees what goes on when you go back home nobody sees that sometimes and it's actually quite important to put it out there that it's okay not to be okay and that was definitely my you know my priority in setting the mark in that way and you know, a lot of other footballers have kind of followed that and maybe they've had different, you know, different stories. And, and that's great because that's only going to help other people because people can relate in different ways. And yeah, I know I'm babbling on, but it's my passion. <laughs> so yeah, ultimately, I just wanted to help people. And that's probably the simplest way of putting it. That's really interesting. And I mean, it has been I mean, it's been really impressive to watch what you've been doing from the outside. So I'm not surprised that you've had that kind of feedback from people. And also some of the things you raise there are really, you know, it's it's things that people don't think about a lot, like the difficulties of competing with your teammates. So you have to be both really collegial and friends and also at the same time, they might be getting your spot. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes you might be really good friends off the pitch, but you have to deal with it, you know, and, and it's part of the game. It's, you know, it's not just women's football, it's men's football too, but it's what you have to do and that's your job. So yeah, you have to bring in the best version of you into training. And unfortunately, if that means taking out your friend at the same time, that, that's kind of the savage part of football. But, you know, everyone knows that. So there's no hate in that way. Of course, there's not. It's, it's the competitive ele- it's the competitive element of the game. That was a tongue twister. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's an interesting one as well. I mean, I've got a nephew who his dreams of playing for, playing for Spurs and, uh, and loves it and knows he probably never will because... He's not the greatest footballer in the world, but wants to give it everything to be able to. Um, and even at 11 years old, we see him kind of, he's joined the gym and he's going a couple of times a week and things. But you do see those concerns about food and those things creeping in. So it's really important yeah. to have people speaking out. And, you know, what speaking as somebody who's been there, what is the kind of, for you, If what were the signs that people around you were able to kind of go, okay, no, there's something needs to, we need to talk to her about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, at the time, my mum was the closest person to me and then, you know, I threw a few friends at school, but I started throwing my lunch away. That was one thing. That was quite obvious from the beginning because my friends could see it. And 
the worst part is I look now and I know how much food costs and I'm like my mum spent a lot of money on that food you know and like looking back I'm like I actually feel very very guilty for that side of it uh that would that would be one thing that I'd say is quite an obvious trigger I think the obsession with undereating over exercising is another really clear one I think sometimes boys girls can get that very wrong anybody can get that very very wrong I know that I would go for a run like every morning every night but then I would never eat so my my you know but my BMI was just dropping instantly you know um so that's another thing I'd say I think one more part for me that was quite obvious was the change in my attitude now I was quite a soft easygoing kid and I became very very rude to my family um something I'm not proud of to this day at all so I kind of flipped in in the way I acted and the way I describe it to most people is somebody was telling me to do these things. That wasn't the Molly that everybody knew at the time. It was almost like another character just kind of took over and, and played me in that way. That's another thing that I'd say, but you know, that's maybe deeper in that way that you're quite along, quite, quite far along the road in, in that direction. But they're the three things that I'd always point out. The other thing would be your habits with with eating you know cutting up food really really small and stuff like that I think I know that sounds crazy but yeah I'm quite a a keen observer when it comes to eating because of the my past so I can actually normally it's really weird I almost have like a sixth sense that I can notice when someone has an issue with eating and that is one thing that it's like very bland and like people have to pick at it that they're not enjoying food you know ultimately like who doesn't enjoy food most of the time so when you you can tell someone's not right in that way and they're not because they're not enjoying it um and it's almost like a chore to eat I think that's how it definitely felt towards me at the time as well I I felt like I wasn't enjoying my food I was just eating to to survive ultimately which is the wrong way of, of doing it completely but yeah there I'd say there are a few things that I would always look out for now you know if it was my child if it was my family member a friend I think they're things that I would see as triggers probably. Yeah, I hope that helps. You know, that's really that's really interesting and helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's important, isn't it, to look out for everybody and, and make sure that everybody's kind of not going to get into that position that you got into because you managed to get yourself out of it again, but not everybody does. And it's not, you know, it's really important to be able to spot as as people who care for young people um, what's going on for them and, and, and what that can be. So thank you for that. No, no worries. As a child, you go through a lot of changes as well. And I think sometimes that's another part is you, you're experiencing so many different things when you're young. You you feel like you want to go into that profession, but you don't, you know, then you, know, you get friends and then you don't get friends. And, you know, a lot, lot changes when you're growing up around that age. And I think then you kind of cling on to something sometimes. And it's like the one thing you can control is your food. And I think that was for me, like, I maybe couldn't control a thing and a manager selected me, but I could control what I put in my body. So I used that. I don't know if that helps at all, but that's kind of the way I'd look at it too. And Molly, you spoke in your Players Tribune piece about how one of the ways Tottenham has helped you, you know, in your recovery is not insisting on doing weigh-ins. Are there mm-hmm. other other ways that the club has been able to help or anything you think could be done better, you know, across yeah. the WSL? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, Tottenham have been amazing with it because, yeah, obviously I don't like weighing myself. Um, it's something that, if I'm honest, I I don't really see as important because we all know our bodies. Um, I know if I'm maybe a bit lighter, I'm probably not going to be as strong and I'm not going to win an individual battle. Um, and then maybe if I'm stronger and maybe a little bit bigger, I probably won't be able to, you know, be as agile. 
so you know everyone knows their bodies and I truly believe that if I feel good on the pitch my weight will be okay I probably obviously I obviously have a fear of it like I'll be of course I do you know I got weighed a hell of a lot when I was younger and I really don't like the scales in that way more so also because sometimes the scales lie you know I'm I've got quite strong legs <laughs> um, and muscle weighs more than fat guys so you know sometimes it's not a true you know reflection on on who you are and what you are so you know in that way I don't believe it but look I've experienced some tough times when it's come to you know weight kind of opinions throughout my career and there's a long way to go on that side and I think a lot of clubs are starting to realise it's really not all about that now. Um, it's really about what you can do on a football pitch. It's definitely coming along, and I've you know I've done a few interviews in that way of talking about how we can improve in that, and that's actually something that I would love to do after football in a career is to you know go into clubs and not just about mental health, but how can we help the athletes, you know, and how to make it come across that then you don't become obsessed with your weight and you know what's on the scales and how many kilograms you are or whatever it is like actually you know it really really does matter what you do on a football pitch so there's a long way to go of stuff like that I think in the women's game because also we're females and we're very very fragile people more than more than men sometimes and you know we do care about our weight and we do care about what we look like so yeah that I've done um a past of a piece with sorry a piece of we play strong as well on that and how you know, sometimes that can honestly turn people to go the opposite way and what the maybe the coaching staff or the, the exercise scientist is hoping, it flips them into being obsessed with what they look like. And that's the dangerous part of it. So yeah, in my opinion, there is a few, you know, there's a few things clubs could do in that way and just supporting people and knowing for example, saying it might be hydration purposes. So you can weigh yourself before and after a session to see how much, you know, hydration you've lost and how much you should really drink to replenish that. They are 100% understood, you know, situations where I think that is that it's, it's reliable. And it may be in hot weather, for example, that that's a really, really good thing to do. But, you know, in my opinion, of course, I have a strong opinion on it. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, I've always believed what you do on the football pitch and how you feel within yourself is the most important. Well, thank you for talking about that. We know it's not an easy topic, but it's definitely helped a lot of people for you to speak out about it. Um, but we'll shift focus now to some fun questions just to wrap things up. I wanted to know what has been your favorite team outing that y'all have done on an away trip? Oh, team outing. See, away trips, I wouldn't say necessarily we do outing, but we went to, with Liverpool. Yeah, and we went down the docks. And I'm a big fan of TikTok. Um, so we were, a few of us are not everyone I can tell you that but um, yeah a few of us were like we were walking down the docks and well the whole team were it was like a free walk and um, yeah it was fun because obviously you get to talk to loads of different people in that way sometimes when it's just out of your you know your standard meeting room or your standard football pitch it's a bit it's a bit different in that way and um, we did a TikTok and stuff and you know at the time it was Gialli even joined in and yeah, Kez loves to join in thinking she can dance, but we all know she can't dance. So um, she won't even mind me saying that because she knows it's completely true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, you know, those are the times that I think it's quite fun, like when people kind of come out of their comfort zone a little bit or just, you know, enjoy what, what it is for what it is in that way. Um, that was one time I actually really enjoyed, you know, it was honestly like a 20 minute walk, but sometimes they're the best ones, you know, and people just laughing at you random people on the street just laughing at you doing a tiktok i mean i don't care so <laughs> yeah good good public bonding there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> 
So who do you think would be your dream opponent for a friendly match from any league? Oh, any league. My dream. Okay. If we're talking about wanting to play against the best, I mean, I'd probably say Leon, to be honest. I think, you know, they've probably been one of the best teams, if not the best team in, in Europe for a very, very long time. And got some players that, you know, you dream of playing with and against, really. If we're talking just like WSL, what team do I like playing against? I think you have to say Chelsea. Honestly, like, I'm not saying I love coming up against Sam Kerr because she's obviously probably one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world, but it tests you. And, you know, her movement, sometimes I almost feel like applauding it because I'm like, wow, you know, and it really makes you look at your game to try and improve it and see what you can do to almost stop that. But she's honestly class. And again, yeah, you know, most of the Chelsea girls are. But that's one game like I, I actually quite look forward to because, you know, you're getting tested in so many different ways. And as a footballer, you want to play up against the best. And of course, they're probably the best team in England at the moment. So you might have already kind of touched on this one, maybe answered this one. But who is the hardest player you've had to defend against in the Super League? <laughs> Yeah, I would say Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr, but if I was playing fullback, I'd probably say it's Lauren James. But luckily enough, she doesn't really come near me. But yeah, Sam Kerr is obviously, yeah, she can score with her head, left foot, right foot. Her movement's brilliant. You know, she's a team player. She can she can set balls. She can play around the corner. She, You know, she's kind of got everything to her game, really. If I'm talking number nines, the next one would probably be like Miedema. You know, Viviana Miedema, I think her goal scoring record says it for itself, really. And I think you can't even give her two seconds around the box because she really will score. And I think she's been in the WSL for a long time now and has proved every pretty much every single year. So she's another one that, you know, I remember, I can I can tell you actually, we played Arsenal at the Hive and uh, one of her things is she doesn't shoot first time, she chops and chops again and chops again and chops again. And I'm not joking, I was salsering with her at one point because I was trying to not like let her shoot. So I was just like salsering and... I just think, how does she do that? But she does it to everybody and she'll score. But I remember coming away for it because I think it went out for a corner and I was just laughing and I was like, I just had a salsa lesson with her. Sometimes, you know, you're in the game, but it's a, you know, it's a break. And we had time, I think it was an injury actually at the time or someone went down and I was like, I can't believe I just like, I literally was just trying to stop her from scoring, but she's so good. She's so quick with doing it. Like, and you just can't let her do it because if you give her one slight bit of space, she's going to score. But yeah, I mean, there's been some really tough opponents, but I think, yeah, Minima and, and Sam Kerr are, are probably the top two that I've come up against. That I'm just like, yeah, wow. But I also would never have expected growing up to ever play against people like that. So truly, it's actually an honour, really. OK, slight change of career for you for the weekend. You, you, you've been asked to commentate on a match and you've got to choose one of your Spurs women teammates to co-commentate with. Who are you choosing? <laughs> oh, this is good. This is good. Oh, okay. for entertainment purposes, because I think she would be absolutely brilliant because she's great at storytelling, is Celine. She would be, she's a character. I absolutely love her. She's brilliant. Um, and I think she'd be so, so good at like commentating on a game. I think she'd just bring so much attitude to it, you know, and like just like throw out some really weird sayings and stuff. I think she'd be really fun to do it with. And we actually get on very, very well. That would probably be another point, but... She would be great. I actually think she'd enjoy it too. Some people would enjoy it, but I'd love it. I mean, I commentate men's games in my head, so I'd be full of it. I'd love it. Yeah, I'd probably say Celine would be really, really good at doing that. Yeah. Out of everybody, I think she's one of the ones that's more, you know, confident in speaking out in that way. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'm thinking about it now. I'm going to dream about that. That's going to be great. (laughs) 
That's your next TikTok. We want to have you and Celine commentating on something. You know what? I might get onto the media team about that, actually. Let's get us on one. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes, we'd love that. So, okay, N- now you're no longer a commentator and you can't be a footballer. What would be your other dream career? Other dream career? Ooh, that's tough. Okay, if, we were, if I wanted to stay in sport and be, you know, a different kind of, you know, in, in a different sport, I'd actually think I'd be, a, well, I think I'd be, want to be a tennis player. Because I've been in a team sport, it'd be interesting to be in an individual sport and, you know, kind of know that you can only blame yourself um, in a way. I think that would be really interesting if I was talking, yeah, in sport purposes. That would be quite cool. And I do really love watching the tennis. I, I've, I've been to Wimbledon a few times and I really do enjoy that, that, you know, that game. And sometimes it can be really, really, like, enjoyable to watch. And kind of like authentically, obviously it's end to end, but you know, like it can be like a proper battle. And I, I really enjoy that side of it. But if we're talking realistically, what I feel like I want to do after football, I think I'd love to have like my own mental health organization um, and like go around, you know, helping athletes, not even necessarily footballers, but any athlete in, in how they can become a better player by just working on their mental health. Because honestly, like, a lot of people will say, you know, it's about your physical attributes, about your technical, your tactical attributes, but so much of it is your mental side and how you can control yourself in that way is such a such a key part to, to any game. So, yeah, I think if I'm talking realistically, that's what I'd want to do after. But, yeah, go on, get me on a tennis court. I won't mind that. <laughs> we'll, we'll come watch. We'll, we'll support you. Yeah, thank you. You thank can have you. a Radicanu. She's a Spurs fan. She'll come and, you know, I give know. you games. I know. She's class as well. I'd love that. I really enjoyed tennis growing up. Like, I did any sport growing up. Um, I was, I actually was quite good at cricket. I played county cricket and kind of had to pick between the sports, actually, between football and cricket. But I did anything. My mum would, like, take me to every single club and be like, just go. You know, and, and I enjoyed any. But tennis, I actually do enjoy. And I would go and play that in my spare time. So this is a bit of a like a multi-part question. So, okay, okay. you are like now going to design the perfect player from parts of Spurs players. So you basically have to choose one player each to be a one player does the passing, one does the shooting, one does the tackling, one does the dribbling, and then one is the brain, the football brain. Okay, can you do it one at a time and I'll I tell will. you? So Brilliant. passing. <gasps> Who's the best passer of a ball? Oh, that's tough. Because the thing is, if... No, I'd say she's brains. Okay. Can I say myself? Of course. Okay, with passing, I'll, I'll say myself. Yeah. Say myself. Yeah, because because there's other players that I feel I've got more of the brain than me in that way. But yeah, I'm going to back myself. Let's back myself in that area. That's the one area I back myself. <laughs> We're happy to see you passing. Yeah, good. Yeah, okay, okay, that's good. Yeah, okay. Probably not you for the next one then, shooting. Not that we didn't love your um, goal. But who's yeah. going to be the shooting? I mean, we've got to say Beth England, haven't we, really? That's a no-brainer. Okay, tackling. Oh, Amy Turner. Don't, don't even need to think. Don't even need to think. Yeah, like, do not want to be in a 1v1 with Amy Turner. She's brilliant. She's such a good defender in that way, yeah. Okay, you've got two left. You've got dribbling. Jess Naz. She's just so quick. Honestly, sometimes I don't know how she gets out of a scenario. I'm like, how did you even do that? And she's like, touch, 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 touch. And she gets out and then her long legs just go. And you're like, wow. <laughs> um, I think dribbling, yeah, just nads. And that is pace reasons as well. And finally, brain. The brain of the team. Who is the brain of the team? You know who I want to say, even though she's new? I want to say Mana. Because I think 
yeah, I think you'll get to see how much of a brain she has in that way. And that's just from, you know, training with her like three or four times. I think you can tell that she's got, you know, the knowledge of the game, but she'll, the how small she is, she gets out of scenarios and she puts herself in positions that she doesn't even allow the opponent anything. Yeah, I think I would say manner for the football brain part of it. Nice. Well, now we've got perfect player. Mm. <laughs> just to... I, I think that's not bad. I wouldn't want to play that yeah, player. If I, I mean... don't, if I don't want to put myself for passing, I probably would say I would probably say Ev, or I'd probably say Has in that situation for passing. Yeah, they were the two I'd probably say for that if I'm not putting myself in. But I, I would put myself on par with them. Let's just say that. But they're very good passers of the ball. So yeah. Okay, we've got a perfect player. So nice one. <laughs> we haven't got a lot of time left, but before we finish, we just wanted to ask you, we've got two games coming up in the next few days, hopefully, assuming that yeah. there are, there's no snow or water or something else on the pitch. So do you want to try and predict the scores, both the Chelsea game and then London Ooh. City Lionesses? Okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. Are we going Chelsea first? Chelsea first. Your favourite game, as you told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say, do you know what? I'm going to go quite boring. I'm going to say a 1-0 win for us. But we're gonna take it to the we're gonna take it to the end, like a last goal in the last ten minutes fight. Because you know why? Because last year we scored a lot of those kind of goals. I, I'm sure you guys remember a lot of goals in the last ten minutes of games, and we haven't really done that this year. And I feel like it's gonna come at some point. It's got to, and we're gonna. As I said, we've got to start putting in ninety minute performances. And I think why not do it against one of the best teams? Well, I like it. I don't think we'd find that boring at all if that happens. <laughs> About time we got a result against Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> okay, how about the on the weekend we got London City Lionesses? Yeah, yeah. Look, London City Lionesses are actually doing really well in their league. Um, I do look out the championship and they're doing pretty good. But I'm going to say a 3-0 win because we need two clean sheets as well. And 3-0 goals, confidence. Yeah, at home. Yeah, 3-0 win. We'll take it. Very happy <laughs> with those uh predictions yeah um, Lionesses have just lost their manager today of course so like could be interesting okay I didn't know that but that's yeah, interesting just going to the states so ah, okay very interesting maybe a good time to pay them yes hopefully well I just want to say a massive thank you to Molly for joining us it's been so fun to talk to you yeah, we're going to have loads of new insight when we watch you on the pitch and just <laughs> thank you again for all of your, you know, all of what you do in Aspersia, it is, it's really exciting and really good. And we're really glad that you are part of this team and this kind of journey. Aspers women gets better. Exactly that. Okay. That's all then for um, N17 women. Uh, we will join you again for a normal post-match review after the games. And um, thanks a lot for listening. Mm-hmm.